Hello again. Thursday, April 6th. This is Chapo coming at you. Much, much news to discuss today. We've got big, big elections in Wisconsin and Chicago. So uh, to counter my vile East Coast bias, we have brought in a three to one Midwest excellence on this show. It's Catherine Krieger back again. Hello. Hi, boys. And I guess, you know, girls who are listening as Girl well. who are listening. Girl, hello. I salute you. Well, like I said, uh, you know, Catherine, I wanted to have you on, uh, you know, because there was this big uh, judicial election in Wisconsin. And it's like, have you covered this story? No. Have you been following it uh, all that closely? Again, no. Are you from Wisconsin? Yes. Yes. And you you and Matt, I think between you and Matt, we can get full spectrum coverage of this issue relating to Wisconsin from two of its finest sons and daughters. Absolutely. Uh, Ask me anything about cheese curds um, and I'm right there. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, before we get to that, I I, want to start today with, I don't know if you guys, this ProPublica piece about Clarence Thomas that just came out is so fucking funny. What happened? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, can we start out with just playing the clip of him talking about the about the kind of shit that he likes to get up to? You know, I don't have any problem with going to Europe, but I prefer the United States, and I prefer seeing the regular parts of the United States. I prefer going across the rural areas. I prefer the RV parks. I prefer the Walmart parking lots to the beaches and things like that. Shut the fuck up. There's something normal to me about it i come from regular stock and i prefer that i prefer being around that my parents are good old-fashioned normal people my parents tended the normal fields in regular town everymanville come from a long line of people who never did anything weird we're just regular folks i i do normal stuff like uh fetishistically enjoy walmart parking lots like normal people do you know the, the people people who go to walmart all the time they're not doing it because it's a place where they can get cheap uh, bulk products for their homes. They do it because of their erotic rapture that they feel uh, in the on the tarmac. The most common thing I hear in Walmart is, I'm so glad I'm not at a, at a beach or in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I- like he is either just being wildly condescending. Hey, you dumbasses, you're hideous uh, uh, asphalt hells. They're good to me. Uh, or he actually does believe that which means he is more mind crippled than the most uh, psychotic lib could ever hope to be well uh maybe we can discern what's really going on here when we contrast uh that very you know self-effacing normal style uh portrait of a normal man who loves parking lots with this ProPublica piece that just came out that is basically about how for, for like years now, Clarence Thomas and his wife have been like uh, doing jet-setting vacations on super yachts to volcanic archipelagos in Indonesia and New Zealand. Wait, wait, and wait, take they have a Walmart plane. there? <laughs> no. And literally Bohemian Grove. Yes, and also Bohemian Grove, all courtesy of one right-wing billionaire named Harlan Crow. <laughs> Harlan Crow, Jesus Christ. Well, Raylan Givens didn't kill all the crows. Dewey's uncle. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He made his fortune with the greatest slip and fall in history. (laughs) He he slipped and fell down the Spanish stairs in Rome. He got a million dollars for every one. Yeah. uh, In the last year, he added $4 billion to his fortune by doing a slip and fall in front of the Federal Reserve. <laughs> um so I mean like and, and also like it should be said like uh Justice Thomas has not disclosed any of this of the lavish vacations that him and his wife have been afforded by a right-wing billionaire who lobbies uh, like the courts heavily I mean or just as part of a right-wing judicial appointment apparatus and efforts to you know change the laws of our country to better suit um him and his friends but like he's like Justice Thomas is a normal, regular style guy that that does like the most dangerous game style vacations with like Leonard Leo of the uh, Federalist Society. Um, but like, but before I get too much further in, into this story, I just want to make clear at, at the top: absolutely nothing will become of this. No, the, ab- nothing is going to happen. Uh, this will not affect Justice Thomas or his position on the court or the court in general, even one iota. I mean, hey, remember, remember, remember when we found out that like he hadn't recused himself from all of those cases that like 
his his wife was like closely involved in and everyone was mad about that for like two days and then it's like oh well it's the supreme court we can't do shit about it so you know i mean that's just at a certain point it's reality you know they don't have the votes nobody has the votes so why even why bother why 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 linger on such a uh uncomfortable and unpleasant reality that one of the supreme court justices is just fucking a a cash machine uh if, if nothing can be done about it, then we might as well just politely move on. <laughs> but there, there are there are really funny details in the story. Like, um, uh, for instance, uh, one one of the one of the places that they've jaunted off to is a hunting lodge in the Adirondack called Camp Top Ridge. <laughs> camp, get, <laughs> camp, 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 get Top Ridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Did you catch the detail in the story about like the painting of him yes, and Crow? Yes. <laughs> Uh, like uh, it's like worth reading the description because it's like an oil painting of the homies, but there's like a like a Native American person in the middle. I kept scrolling desperately, like being it's like, a, please, a, a, please, so tell me there's a photo of this painting. Like oh, so an, an Indian man standing astride them in this like well, oil a, painting. It's a statue. It's a statue. It's, it, it, I think it's just like that's a real statue at Camp Getting Top. And it's like it's them. They're out on the Adirondack chairs, and like it's the boys. It's like it's like those like dorm room posters of like Tony Soprano playing uh, cards with the Goodfellas and you know the Corleone family, except uh, with like the pastiest legs in shorts you've ever seen. Um, but yeah, let me read this here. It says uh, Crow's private lakeside resort, Camp Top Ridge, sits in a remote corner of the Adirondacks in upstate New York, closed off from the public by ornate wooden gates. The 105-acre property, once the summer retreat of the same heiress who built Mar-a-Lago, features an artificial waterfall and a great hall where Crow's guests are served meals prepared by private chefs. Inside, there's clear evidence of Crow and Thomas's relationship. A painting of the two men at the resort sitting outdoors smoking cigars alongside conservative political operatives. A statue of a Native American man arms outstretched stands in the center of the image which is photographic in its clarity and like when i saw this in the in the piece like it, it just it looks like a photograph like but it, 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 it it's not exactly an impressionistic take on du bois smoking cigars but, i'm hey, thinking you know. about like like what if there's another painting uh in the hunting lodge that's that's like the bill clinton uh in the dress that was in like epstein's mansion but it's clarence thomas you know, wearing heels and kicking up his legs. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have a Dorian Gray style picture where it's actually getting skinnier as uh, Thomas gets fatter. Yeah, he's on Ozempic now. <laughs> uh, uh, there, there's another there's another really funny detail in the story about one of their um, uh, like super yacht trips to uh, New Zealand. It says. Uh, uh, as a token of appreciation, he gave one yacht worker a copy of his memoir. <laughs> Thomas signed the book. Thank you so much for all your hard work on our New Zealand adventure. <laughs> R being the operative word there. Thanks, thanks for cleaning up all the cum and used condoms that were just everywhere. I know you had to take the mop out, uh, you know, 10 times a day. But, you know, here's a, a signed copy of a book no one's ever read. Uh, and they also they also on the on their super yacht tour they also visited the island of all the with all the Komodo dragons. Well, see, I'm jealous of that one. Did you notice also the sourcing on the story is so funny because you know it's like actual reporting, but like one of the sources was a scuba diving instructor. So it's like they really like talk to like the vendors that like service them like on all these tropical vacations. I'd like I wish they'd reached out to some of the vendors that service them at the Bohemian Grove. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> But I mean, I guess like, you know, like uh, the, the reactions to this have been uh, sort of uh, varied as some people being like, oh, this this is, you know, this brings a, just a new shout of a crowd of uh, doubt and incredibility to the Supreme Court. But then some people are just saying that, like, look, Thomas is not like he's ideologically committed to like the Federalist Society even before they started paying for his super yacht vacation. So. Is this really corruption or is this just friends having a good time? What's a little corruption between friends? It seems like Justice Thomas is like, you know, paying, <laughs> getting paid out like a slot machine. But hey, like they could just be endemic to the entire federal judiciary. So there's that. But I mean, I think the thing to remember with all this is that it's not hypocrisy for these guys because this is what their ideology is about and means. Like it's like. He, I don't think he could be ideologically swayed by a yacht trip or whatever, but like his ideology is going on yacht trips where you can like hunt people and get a you know photorealistic painting of yourself with the Federalist Society founder or whatever. 
Yeah, like you don't actually need to lobby these guys. Like, you know, they're already there with you. So like, you know, yeah, is it a bad look to take vacations from some guy named uh, Harlan Crow? Sure, but like, it doesn't matter. Like, he's already ruling for shit that uh, guys like that love. I mean, I think it certainly affects like what things that they'll uh, the emphasis on certain issues, or I think they can be like swayed, not like you know, not like ideologically, but they can be uh, I think cajoled into paying more attention to certain things rather than others. I think that's largely how this kind of corruption works, right? Like what cases they choose to take up or whatever. Yeah, something like, or, or just like, uh, just like the, the areas of interest that suit the Leonard Leos of the world. You know, like I don't, I don't think he's gonna like, you know, uh, become more conservative as a result of this. But I mean, I, I think it is just really funny in contrast with that fake ass documentary that they made about him, where he's like, you know, I, I, I you know, I don't mind, I don't mind go- being among the fancy courtesans of Europe, but like, I'll, I'll just take a normal lot lizard, a normal style regular lot lizard. <laughs> <laughs> And by the I way, mean, the, I, uh, I, I, I don't necessarily like think these things are bribes in the direct sense where it's like, OK, we'll give you this vacation if you rule in X way, because it, I mean, it is kind of true. Like he's already done that would probably already do that. This more seems to me to be like, you know, a reward for time served. This yes. is just like an ongoing reward system for people who were, you know, already brought up through the Federalist Society system or you know, glommed on to it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can't extricate the rewards, the fun, the treats, the, the trips from the ideology. I believe these things because the, it, you know, it's like we do sacrifices because it makes it rain. Well, you know, I <laughs> vote this way and look at all these wonderful things that happen just because of my belief. And like uh, Harlan Crow is, is it did give comment to the story and he was just like, Listen, like we're, he, he, Ginny and Clarence are dear, dear friends of ours. And yes, like I have spent probably tens of millions of dollars, but that's only because I want to promote education about Clarence Thomas to the American public. That's so important. That's so important. <laughs> I mean, just more people have got to know what a great man he is and how normal and regular he is. Well, I mean, isn't this really the difference between like the corruption that a state legislator does and the corruption that like a senator or a Supreme Court justice does. The latter category does it in this way, where it's like the rewards aren't necessarily tied in a time frame to the acts. Like yeah. they're, they're, they're done in such a way that like, you know, maybe in a better country, people could be uh, prosecuted for it. But it's definitely not going to happen in this one. And it would be uh, an uphill climb for like any U.S. prosecutor to make the case in our current system. Uh, the former category will like be photographed accepting a giant bag of money from like <laughs> a guy, a guy wearing a shirt with his job on it, like he's in a big Harrison cartoon. <laughs> a guy wearing a shirt that says the sorghum lobby the day, the day before he votes on something called like the sorghum bill and like, and go to prison for three years. That's or, really or like difference. or like even paltrier rewards. Like if you're a state lawmaker, like you're you're just like photographed being taken by a lobbyist to like the nicest steakhouse in Cincinnati. Yeah. You, you received like a $2,000 payout in Southwest miles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can use those to go anywhere that Southwest flies. Yeah, that's true. But if you, if you want to go like- to Tempe, Arizona, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> if you want to go to Terra hot uh, for, for just miles. Yeah. I mean, people forget that uh, the Supreme court in 2016, basically made corruption political corruption legal it was a unanimous decision too <laughs> yeah they overturned bob mcdonald's uh conviction which was a very similar deal of here here's some money for uh legislation but we never said that explicitly so you can't know that so it's okay i mean they've already made the the uh precedent so he did nothing wrong he made sure that he did nothing wrong it's very well, I mean, conscientious it, yeah i mean i mean like yeah getting caught for corruption in federal politics at this point it's the same thing as getting caught for peds and professional sports it's not a drug test it's not a q test yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean like not only is it is, is it legal but i mean like the fact that he's doing this so openly and has never once disclosed or i mean like i know there are people in the judiciary or probably like uh, democratic supreme court justices who probably agonize over disclosure forms when they order DoorDash for like the office for staying late or something like that and it's like that just shows what dummies they are 
because they could be yeah. fucking they could be hanging out with Bruce Springsteen and shit. There's got to be some Democratic billionaires out there with like, you know, David Geffen or whatever. could take him to his Bohemian. Oh, Grove. man. Yeah, you never hear yeah, about George Soros, uh, George Soros flying people around to, uh, you know, uh, the Caribbean. He needs to get his paper up. <laughs> yeah, start. I know. I, I can't hear these, these broke, broke boys. boy justices. Get them out of here. Sick of these broke boy liberals. But again, like I uh, just just to underscore, like th- th- this is not hypocrisy on Justice Thomas's part. Like this is why he is Justice Thomas. This is what he believes in. Like he's in. This is not corruption to him. This is the best part of being a citizen of the United States of America in a participatory democracy. He ground for that view. He ground he sure for that did. view. And you are a pocket watching hater if you have a problem with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just like the uh, the detail about him uh, t- touring Komodo National Park. It's like he tried, he tried, probably tried to leave his wife there, hoping she wouldn't get noticed among the, the local. <laughs> oh, have you seen her, folks? She is woof. Oh, She's boy. Busted. This She's is not busted the Lolita. This is not the Lolita Express. This is I know, the they're, old they're, crone. This is the old crone express. <laughs> the Baba Yaga Express. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, just the Komodo uh, Dragon National Park. And then there, there's one detail at the end of the story that I thought was great where. Um, He's taking Harlan Crow's private jet to do like a like a, a, a less than a one hour flight to a Catholic cemetery in the bucolic suburb of New York City. <laughs> they were unveiling the bronze statue of the justice's beloved eighth grade teacher, a nun, according to Catholic Cemetery magazine. By the way, if there are any editors for Catholic <laughs> Cemetery magazine out there, Catholic listen, I'd like Cemetery to pitch articles. What is the circulation on that? Yo, I'm trying to get a job there. (laughs) Who's reading that? Like Mark (laughs) Dutro? The fuck? Victorian grave robbers stealing from <laughs> I think medical Matthew, hospital. I think, uh, Matthew Walther, medical I could college. imagine reading Catholic yeah. Cemetery magazine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Is there like uh, a highlights for kids like maze feature in the in the Catholic Cemetery magazine? Like get out of purgatory. <laughs> I, I really I enjoyed that. last last month's cover story. The cr- creepiest Virgin Mary uh, statues to put on your graves. <laughs> we should. I'm gonna get a copy. I need to see what this is. I like cannot. How do you how do you write twelve issues a year? Is it monthly? I don't know. I, I just found out. Now, right now, now. I want to know everything about it. Is yeah. there is there a Jewish cemetery like monthly? I'm I'm on. Okay, so, are these Condé Nast properties? Okay, so it's I'm on the website right now. There's <laughs> something called there's something called the Catholic Cemetery Conference, and they yes. I'm on CatholicCemeteryConference.org, and I'm on their subheader that says magazine. And okay. uh, they're saying, learn more about our flagship publication at the links below. Hell yeah. Hit it. Okay. I'm so like, okay. No more. All right. I'm looking at, I'm going to I'm looking at the, the table of contents for the December 2020 issue of the magazine, the virtual magazine of Catholic Cemetery Conference. On page nine, the featured article is titled, Online Reputation is Important for Cemeteries. <laughs> <laughs> You get one rumor of a, uh, you know, uh, if you a have one corner flop, you're fine. Yeah. One, <laughs> yeah. They do, uh, they do monthly, monthly issues, five to six articles. Uh, let's look at May, 2021. Uh, the first article, it starts at page 10. So presumably there's like a talk of the town type feature. <laughs> <laughs> like what are, what are like the, the glossy ads that take up yeah. the first 10 pages? Oh, like, yeah, is yeah. there, is there like a, like a Cartier, uh, you know, glossy ad? Oh, uh, all ads for like, uh, black hairnets for old Italian women. Yeah. Like, so like, um, pre-workout for crying, <laughs> <laughs> maximize your tears. Okay. Here are the, here are the articles in the May, 2021 issue. The joy of working in a Catholic cemetery ministry for the perspective of a non-Catholic by Marty Boswell. That's eight pages long. <laughs> um, but then, not to be not to be outdone, the next article is cemetery website traffic is useless without conversions. That's by Welton. Oh Hong. my god! And that's like four they're, pages they're long. At, they're looking at Chartbeat for like the Catholic Cemetery Monthly, being like, "Damn, this shit's going viral." Yeah, the next one is like this is sort of a this is a little bit of a snoozer. Uh, funeral <laughs> cemetery assistants. An update on the latest round of coronavirus legislation by Paul Lemasters Esquire. 
<laughs> oh, I'm, I'm looking through this, and I've got another Paula Masters Esquire article that I think I'd be interested in. Lights, camera, funeral. The legal side of funeral production. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking like uh, in the in Catholic Cemetery magazine. There's little insert cartoons, but like uh, instead of a dog in a psychiatrist's office, it's a dog going to confession. <laughs> well, it sounds well, like this. Uh, Paul Lemaster's Esquire is the Nathan J. Robinson of the Catholic Cemetery <laughs> literary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is uh, this is a, this is a good article. Digital divide: How technology can revolutionize your cemetery business. <laughs> Uh, here, here's a rather ominously <laughs> titled article. LED screen tombs. That is how you do it. I want here's a scrolling op- message on my headstone. I'm sorry, but uh, in July, there's an article called Alkaline Hydrolysis in You. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got, I, I got one more here from the 2020 edition. This is a rather ominously titled article that's just uh, titled One Down and One to Go. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you will die. <laughs> uh, how long should your cemetery blog posts be? <laughs> I, I'm going to subscribe to this. This is, you know, I'm getting a lot of cemetery out of these article titles. Not getting a lot of Catholic. Got to tell you, where's the specific Catholicity here? You know, like I, how how to how to memorialize your mafia child who was killed uh, at a, a clam bar, like that kind of thing. Oh, did you, see, did you guys did you guys see on Twitter the other day that great um uh Irish uh, uh grave? Oh yeah, the boxer, like the, the, yeah. the boxer. That's that's classic statue. Catholic yeah. cemetery action right there. Yeah. Oh, Matt, you you would like this. Um, you were complaining about this, but actually, in the December issue in 2021. The sort of like, I'd say probably the feature article there is five reasons to choose a Catholic cemetery by Paul LeMasters Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like pretty late in the game to write that article. You'd think that would be one of the first issues. You'd really want, yeah, like as a value proposition. Like, hey. Issue number one, why do, yeah. why you should choose a Catholic cemetery. I think why they, we ran, exist? they ran out of shit because I don't see anything for 2022 or 2023, but... I could understand re- that happening. Yeah, we, well, every, got, everyone, everyone it, on the masthead died. They made use of their <laughs> services. They advertised. Yeah. I'm, I'm launching a cool sort of hip reboot of Catholic Cemetery Magazine. It's sort of going to be like complex for Catholic graveyards. First <laughs> issue, we're going to interview Action Bronson about the character he played in The Irishman. Yeah, we're gonna pay. We're gonna pay academics to do ten million dollars a year to do a video podcast on Catholic cemeteries. <laughs> Yo, our, our lady, uh, th- yo, this is, this is your boy, Ack. Our Lady of Peace Cemetery in Cleveland, Ohio is washed. Only 20 <laughs> plots have been purchased this year. I'm going to invent Substack, but for Catholic cemeteries. Yeah, disrupt the shit out of the Catholic cemetery publishing industry. Yeah, they're called Body Stack, also known as <laughs> Catacombs. There you go, I, Catacombs. Nice, nice. Catacombs. I, I, I do think you're probably right because, like, the same four people are writing every article. Like, every article is by Paul LeMasters or Welton Wong. Or Welton Wong. Can you imagine between the two of them how many ascots they own? <laughs> they, I mean, they're they're probably like they were probably like the last two living necromancers in America. <laughs> <laughs> but like they they like I can't imagine anyone uh, under the age of sixty four writing for this magazine. Like I, I can't think of anything more terrifying than someone under the age of thirty who has published an article in Catholic Cemetery Monthly. Well, now I'm kind of taking this as a challenge. Like, do they accept pitches? Like, what's their rate per word? You know, <laughs> uh, going to heaven. That's your reward for writing. <laughs> nice. Very many. nice. Uh, can I show you guys a, pic- a quick picture of Paula Masters Esquire? Yes. Oh, my <laughs> God. young oh, wow. as fuck. Dude. I, I, mean, knew it. I knew it. I told you he's the Nathan Robinson of the fucking industry. <laughs> He's, he's got, got green, green, green socks and green socks. I fucking called it. Does he have a Joker suit, though? No one calls themselves Esquire, who is not committed to that dandy lifestyle. <laughs> for, pe- for people who didn't see, he looks sort of like Jim Gaffigan's son. <laughs> we, know Honestly, the, uh, we know what the episode Jim- image is for the week. We've got that sorted. Paul Lutmaster's yeah. Esquire. So that everyone can look. Yeah, I want to interview everyone who gets this delivered to their house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's probably just funeral homes, right? In in Catholic <laughs> neighborhoods. 
Such the well, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. If you're in the waiting room, you can't like display Us Weekly from you know six months ago. It has to be this magazine <laughs> and, and the National Review for some reason. There should be ads for like really specific Catholic cemetery issues, like uh, a sort of like a, a a protective vest for the grandmothers who want to dive into the coffin after their kids. <laughs> <laughs> Catholics love doing that. I, I would not be surprised if Catholic Cemetery Magazine is in some way not, I would be surprised if it wasn't in some way underwritten by Harlan Crow, because I mean, like the, the, our diversion about Catholic Cemetery Magazine was just by way of saying that the uh, seven foot tall, 1800 pound <laughs> statue to his teacher was uh, paid for and donated by Harlan and Kathy Crow to, <laughs> to, to the Clarence Thomas teacher memorial. That rocks. That rocks so much. What kind of uh, statue is Chapo going to to pay to have erected? Like, who will it be of? It'll, I think it's just be the baseball crank head. Yeah, just the giant like, head of the yeah. so like a bus, it's like, like a bus, like a sh- but it's just the head. No, no it's, it's like, giant. It's, it's, a giant. It's the size like of the this. Chicago bean. Yeah, huge. Just gigantic, <laughs> round, relatively narrow, but like very, very wide. And also, it will talk. It will have a moving <laughs> mouth, and it will say recorded things that we will leave so you can come to the baseball crankhead and listen to our posthumous wisdoms this would be like one of those uh like i don't know, like uh what is it like hostile monuments that are meant to be like uh there for like a thousand years in the future if like primitive uh post yeah to keep them away from it covers n- from nuclear uh, radioactive yeah. this is pl- this is a place of no honor <laughs> it's the baseball crank zardoz head spouting clips of us talking on the show the gun is good. The gun! The penis is evil. The penis shoots seeds and makes new life to poison the earth with the plague of man, as once it was. But the gun shoots death and purifies the earth of the filth of brutals. Well, uh, seems like we've lost Felix, but I would li- I would like to now uh, transition into the uh, Wisconsin part of the show with my two favorite uh, Wisconsinites, my two favorite cheeseheads here. I mean, like uh, the, the the quick headline is that control of the Wisconsin Supreme Court slip uh, flipped was flipped from conservatives to liberals, which basically means that uh, they're going to overturn Wisconsin's abortion ban and like maybe undo some of the more outrageous gerrymandering. But the gnashing of teeth over this is because like they and like the the, the right wing judge that uh, this is the most expensive judicial race in American history. And the guy who just lost lost by 15 points. Uh, like Catherine, you give some perspective on like what that means for the state of Wisconsin, like to lose that badly. Uh, well, I was I was just going to say I've been really looking forward to you trying to say the name of the judge who won. <laughs> Janet. Judge She's Janet. A Polak. That's all you need to <laughs> judge, know. Judge Janet. <laughs> Judge Janet. I mean, I mean, like this, this is, you know, kind of like to the nail in the coffin of what was left of like the Scott Walker era, which is not to say like we're out of it, but just like, you know, if they if they take up the the gerrymandered to hell maps, which they'd be stupid not to, uh, you might finally like see people like Robin Voss, you know, who who could rule for a thousand years, like finally, like actually be in competitive races. Um and like like uh, Tony Tony Evers, the the governor and his his AG, um, like were easy, able to ride to reelection pretty easily as well. Talking about abortion and the thing I don't know, like uh, there, it's Judge Janet and like I don't know, Vice Principal Lee Russell is the other guy. I think that's his name. Uh, but like, you know, he like in his not I guess like sort of half concession speech, he was like, you know, my opponent was not honorable and she greatly demeaned the judiciary. And basically what he means is that like similar to Clarence Thomas, Catherine, as you pointed out, this guy was being escorted around the state to campaign on the private jet of some anti-abortion, some anti-abortion Wisconsin couple. Funder. Yeah. yeah. And like these people are just mad that like, you know, oh, oh, Judge Janet demeaned the judiciary by like running on an issue like. Oh yeah, I'm actually going to overturn the state's pre-Civil War era ban on abortion that was passed after Dobbs was handed down. But like, you know, uh, he has said in blog posts that like uh, abortion uh, like only encourages like sexual libertinism. 
Um, so, you know, like the door only swings one way. Like if you're conservative, you're allowed to run on these issues, but like she, she, you know, uh, has, has sullied the entire thing by also making it like an issues based race, even though, oh, you know, the, the state Supreme court is, is officially nonpartisan. Then why do you have fucking elections for it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So fucking stupid. Jesus Christ. And I, I guess like the, the broader, like, you know, the national implications of this is, you know, fairly important because, you know, I've seen a lot of reaction from Republican pundits. I was like, this is like the second 9-11 that they've had in the last, like, less than a year. And they're basically saying that, like, I don't see a path to victory for us in 2024, which is basically saying, like, uh, our path to victory does not involve getting the most votes in an election. Because, I mean, like, that's really what they're talking about. But, like, in addition to that, I think this is, like, interesting that this happened, like, the day after we had um, Ettinger Mentum on the show. Because this is really, like, like you know, like a, a positive test case for his thesis about, like, the Dobbs effects ongoing, you know, like, obliteration of the Republican Party in these swing states like Wisconsin. And I think the interesting thing that we're seeing now from the, uh, like, anti-abortion crowd is that they're saying, like, Republicans, wake up. We've got to stop passing restrictions on abortion. And it's like, sorry, too late, asshole. Too late. Like, uh, well, because they're, they're realizing, yeah, they're realizing that, like, when you actually put abortion rights on the ballot in places like Kansas, uh, turns out it's not very popular. So, like, in like they all they had to do was just, like, sit tight with, with the Dobbs decision, but they can't resist the urge to, like, try and run up the score at the state level. And they're being thoroughly bitch slapped about it. Well, yeah, I mean, they can't, but you can't. I mean, that energy that has been that has powered the grassroots to the point that they were able to overturn Rover's weight, it, it, it doesn't just go away like those people are still organized and they still are going to be directed and you still want them to be under your umbrella. So and that's what they care about. So you really are stuck with this. You cannot change direction. That's not possible. Yeah, they're they're fucking shackled to this now. No, but like, uh, just like uh, Ann Coulter popped up out of nowhere. Like, that's someone I haven't thought about in probably 10 years since the last time I watched Real Time with Bill Maher 15 years someone, ago. Someone let her out of the stables to tweet. <laughs> someone gave her a nice apple and patted her on the snout. Um, but no, like, uh, she was basically saying, like, Republicans, like, wake up. There, There's not going to be any Republicans left if you keep passing abortion restrictions. And, like, this is just so funny to me because, like, Ann Coulter has been calling abortion murder on TV for, like, you know, like, that's how she made her bones, practically. And, but she was one of the few who, like, turned on Trump immediately. Never turned on him. She was always against him and stayed against him because, you know, I I think, like, she was clear enough to see that, like, what we talked about on the show before is that, like, she's an elite who shovels red meat to the rubes. And the election of Donald Trump means that they have no longer have any need for people like her even if that, you know, may, may affect their, like, you know, future uh, electoral prospects. And, and, like, did you see, like, like this is really, like, having to run on abortion for Republicans really is moving the, the dial or the lever or whatever, uh, you know, by the tens of thousands of votes among the mythical, like, suburban white voters. Like, uh, Dave Weigel was tweeting about, like, uh, in 2008, Barack Obama won Wisconsin by 14 points, uh, McCain won uh, by 26 points, and then Daniel Kelly, the the Republican running in the in the state Supreme Court race, only won by 18 points. So like this this is a fucking losing issue for Republicans, which is why like anytime they they talk about it, like they they don't want to have to run on it, but they they're shackled to it. You know, it does prove that Chuck Schumer. We made fun of him uh, in 2016 for that quote about for every blue collar vote we lose, we gain someone in the suburb two in the suburbs. That's exactly what ended up happening. <laughs> it just took a Trump interregnum and the uh, overthrow of Roe to make it happen because like that is the underlying meta of of democratic organizing, trusting and assuming that the Republicans will overplay their hand and push beyond what is like the consensus acceptable social position among those reliably voting suburban whites. And then, boom, you benefit. And it's working. Congratulations, guys. Geniuses. Well, and I, and I, ironically, I, take, I take back everything I ever said. And ironically, like Chuck Schumer was making that point about like why Democrats should be specifically appealing to those moderate suburban white voters uh, who then like didn't follow him in whatever election that was. But it turns out like all you need to do to really win them is, uh, you know, like make the Republicans uh, that bad. You know, well, like, they do it themselves. You don't have to do anything. Like they, yeah, they exactly. The like, Democrats, they they really do embrace like a 
a Zen approach where you just let the Republicans push the envelope because they are the only the political party that is uh, forced by its structure to actually uh, like run uh, on something. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And and uh, pursue like a grassroots uh, agenda as opposed to the Democrats who just have uh, an electorate that's held hostage uh, and that they get to dictate from the top to. So they are always going to be the ones who push too far. And they, they really thought they had something here with uh, the social issues because they were like, look at how crazy the culture is. Look at how hysterical and alienating to regular people the culture is. And I think that there is something to that. I mean, I think that like, you know, Hollywood and everything, they obviously uh, are trying self-consciously in many ways to try to push a social envelope, like from a, from a more uh, radical uh, standpoint to middle America because they're guilty or because they think that's where the demos are headed one way or the other. But that the politicians have never have not followed that. And the, the only pe- the only politicians who are constantly talking about these very divisive issues end up being Republicans, which associates them with the extremity. Extremity becomes concentrated entirely around the Republicans and Democrats get to be the boring middle of the road uh, dorks that a suburban homeowner is always going to be more attracted to. Yeah. And also, like it, it, it encourages uh, Democrats to do what they've done already and what they would successfully did in the midterms, which is uh, we don't really want to run on any policy. Like all we need to do, you're totally right. Like this Zen kind of negative space approach about like you know by being the party of nothing, we are by default, uh, you know, the more uh, you know palatable alternative by a long shot. Well, I mean, I think I think uh, to, to both of your points, like the interesting thing about. <clears throat> And Coulter, who I use as an example, but a lot of these Republicans now who are having buyer's remorse about basically like the logical endpoint of the deeply held beliefs that they've been trading on for decades now to win elections. And I think the thing is like with Ann Coulter where she's like, look, we over, Roe v. Wade is overturned. We've won. But like now we have to stop passing laws criminalizing abortion. It's like, Ann, baby. The, the, political, the, the political tendency where you only want politicians to, to enact symbolic power and be on television is called liberalism. Welcome to the big tent, Anne. Yeah, and of course, the, uh, the funny thing is that the Republicans get to be, are now the party of extremity and weirdness, and the Democrats are the normal party. Uh, and meanwhile, there are actual like deep and deepening crises riveting every element of American life, and there is no way to have those expressed politically it cannot well, yeah, be mean, like, spoken about so instead we get you get a plebiscite on okay if you want to be freaked out about what's happening in the world and what's happening in america and the trajectory of your life or everything you get to fixate on trans people and abortion uh or you get to act like there's no problems at all and everything will be fine if people just walked across the aisle and made some dang compromises those are your options <laughs> Yeah, the normal party is basically like the Chamber of Commerce's agenda. But I mean, like, to your point, Matt, like, God, did you see all the stories this week about life expectancy in the United States? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it my was, God. It was fucking chilling. I mean, well, it's, it's still falling after COVID, you know, like, that's, oh, that's fucking well, crazy. Because, it's, because it's still, like the, COVID's still out there. It's still killing people. And there's no, and now there, any, the safety net stuff that was put in there to, 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 uh, Buffett that is now all falling away. They're throwing millions of people off Medicaid now. As, uh, as well, and they also just they also just voted, you know, to like end the emergency, uh, whatever it was. You it was know, so like now, uh, yeah. Well, and, and now COVID tests aren't free anymore, and blah blah blah. Like it's yeah, and like yeah. The terrifying thing is that it's almost all people under like young people who are like under twenty five, and like um, and it's like it's COVID, but it's mostly violence and drug overdoses. Oh yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like we're talking about how the the zone of politics has shrunk to this tiny aperture that really only speaks to anxious but fundamentally materially comfortable suburban homeowners of one stripe or another. That means that for younger people who are like at a in a seemingly uh, hopeless position, the, the killing yourself or someone else is really the only political action you can take that could, that or you can imagine or- have any real circum real. Uh, 
consequences. Or getting like hooked on Fent and ODing because, uh, you know, the proposition is I'm never going to own anything. Like I'm never going to have a real job. You know, like these are the options that lay before young people. Yeah. Opting out one way or the other is the only action that you can take. Everything else is just submitting to a regime of uh, degradation. And now it seems like the the people, the people in the driver's seat of the regime of degradation right now. It's like we're undergoing like uh you know another another political vibe shift away from the um uh the the based side of the political spectrum to the based lib. Like is, this is a phenomenon we've talked about for a while, and I think we're seeing, you know, once again, like you were saying that the resistance people, the wine moms, the based libs. I mean, now now it really is their time. Yeah, they're they're feeling themselves, and and the demo and the Republicans now are like. Democrats were after Bush got reelected. It's Dumb that fucks, same man. like, oh, what? we got to we got to focus on electability, guys. Oh, geez. Oh, this fucking stupid country. We should secede. And the libs are like, yes, yes. Let me taste your tears, bitch. Everyone's well, having being, a good time. That's what matters. Uh, yeah. And also being like totally justified and like all the beating up on the left that they've done about like you absolute simp. Uh, you want you want uh, like a, a politician who will run on something like Medicare for all. You want a treat from your politician. You absolute dullard. Uh, you know, they're being proven right, which is the Democratic Party doesn't have to offer anyone. Anything. Yeah, they don't. They and, can and always going to win on the Republicans pushing because they will. All, they have to that the, the, their uh, electorate requires it because the things they want are things that uh, can be action items. And so then they become them. And then the Democrats, because they're real proposition is preventing that from happening and that's that's been it for a generation now uh they can always just depend on that uh well uh one more bit of political news man i know we were just talking about it before we uh we got on the recording here today but like the the report that ron DeSantis's people are like really interested in how we're gonna run against trump for the long haul and the strategy they've settled on is basically foregoing the first three primaries <laughs> to like work, i don't know work, work cash for, out on uh, california John and, and <laughs> giuliani it's it's a, yeah, tall, giuliani. it's a hallmark of real smart guys listen to their uh, genius consultants who make money the longer they stay in the race like Works if somebody's harder, telling you that uh if somebody's telling you hey stay in those later races uh then they're what they're really telling you is don't run in the first place because it doesn't work like that we all have fucking guppy uh attention spans if somebody else is rolling up wins in early primary states that means that 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 uh, support you have in those later ones is evaporating by the second because you're nobody who are you you fucking loser he is so fucked i didn't realize this because at first i thought well fucking why don't you just wait for 2228 when it's going to be an open seat no matter what because uh, I mean, I guess Trump could run again if he loses, but like at that point, you <laughs> might he cool. might have been softened up enough as like an 84 year old, 300 pound man. You might be able to beat him, but apparently he's term limited and done being the the governor in 2027, and his entire strategy for staying relevant and and electrifying the base the way Trump did is always being there to legislate off of whatever the culture war bullshit of the week is. And if he's out of office for two years or a year running into the presidency, he's got who's going to want who's going to want to pay attention to this uh, reedy voiced nerd in the absence of the executive authority of the governor of Florida. So he really does kind of have to be this time because by 2028, he's lost. He can't even there's no open Senate seat. There's no Senate election in, Feb, in Florida in 2026. He can't get past. So he is kind of fucked because this is it. And so I think he's he is psyching himself up to run in 2024 the same way that Todd Parker psyched himself up to go into the, the bedroom at the end of Boogie Nights. Because that's what we goddamn came here to motherfucking do. We don't do it for fucking idiots. He's going to kick that door down and then fucking Trump is just going to blast his ass with a fucking 12 gauge. That's what we goddamn came here to motherfucking do. And that's fucking do right fucking <laughs> floor safe master bedroom florida and california that's bed. all we gotta win ron DeSantis is watching uh trump fuck his wife on a towel on the driveway <laughs> my wife's got an astrocock in the driveway <laughs> yeah no if they're telling you just just hang out in those later states because everyone's gonna still care 
when the only news is who won the pr- earlier primaries, that is that is a bushel of magic beans that they're selling you. Well, and it also wags the dog. Like if you win Iowa or New Hampshire, like that, you know, to telegraphs to voters that like you're the the front runner and makes it more likely that people will, you know, you'll continue to pick up momentum. People will turn out to vote for you. Whereas if you're like basically absentee, you're already showing up like a loser. Like Ron DeSantis isn't going to show up in South Carolina and like, oh, oh, that'll be his his decisive turning of the tides. And that's Nikki Haley country. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, she's she's got a lot of juice. I get the theory, but it has literally never worked. The only time <laughs> anything like that has happened is, of course, with Biden, and those are very specific uh, set of circumstances. Oh yeah, very you specific. The, you have this this specific dynamic in the primary. This crowded field, this failure to cohere around an alternative to Bernie, that is not going to be the case this time. Uh, Biden was trying to win in those early states. He just failed miserably. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) He was there, at least. I mean, we saw him in Iowa. Oh, yeah. He was. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He he (laughs) ate the meat on a stick, you know. Oh, my God. I can't. I can't wait to see Ron DeSantis having to put food near his face. It's sugar, man. It's sugar. Ew. Oh, can I get the? Can I peel the breading off this corn dog? That's carbs. <laughs> I'm doing paleo. He's got real. My favorite meat is hot dog energy. Yeah. You know, I remember when Trump was going to run. I remember thinking, is he going to go and stuff his face at a fucking corn shuck and shake hands with a bunch of rubes? And it turns out, nope. When you're Trump, you don't have to do any of that shit. You just have a big rally. You stand at a podium and they just worship you. It's like a fucking rock concert and you don't have I to honestly, get grubby. I honestly think like Iowa in particular, like they, they delight in, uh, uh, you know, having to treat all of these people running for president, like basically as their as their gimps, you know, like, oh, you have to come here. You have to like we're all wearing graphic tees and cargo shorts and you have to eat something disgusting and deep fried in front of us because that's the way things work. Uh, and they we- love it. Love yeah, it. Well, I, I, we experienced it ourselves firsthand. I will say though, the food was very good. The corn dogs. It's true that uh, those pork, pork chop, chop, on, chop a on a stick surprisingly juicy. But it is it is demeaning as you're running for president had, um, to have to to have to be photographed like wearing a hat and like you if know you're Trump. You don't have to do any of that shit. <laughs> I know. That's I know. What makes he, you a king. He, he bucked the you know the set of rules about what things what things people need to do if they're going to be taken seriously as a candidate for president. Yeah, like uh, like previously, politicians would have to pretend like Clarence Thomas they come from normal regular stock. You think Donald Trump's <laughs> ever going to say I come from regular stock? Re- the, the yeah, thing he, people, a thing regular people talk about is their stock <laughs> more than anything. <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, the last I think I want to end on a brief reading series here. I mean, the other political news of the week uh, that people are happy about is uh, Brandon Johnson defeating a Vallis for the Chicago mayor's race. Um, I I didn't follow this too closely. I I understand people are excited for him. I will just say I'm not trying to rain on anyone's parade or anything. I would just simply not get over my skis, not because I think Brandon Johnson is a bad guy, but as we've talked about before on this show, the position of major American city mayor is just like really one of the most uh, doomed jobs you can have. But, you know, we can at least have some fun with the people who are now terrified that they're going to be dragged out of their homes and killed. So uh, knowing that this is the case, I had to go check out johncast.com. Now, keep in mind that John Cass has not posted um, since the election. I think he's he's currently convalescing from having eight heart attacks the other week. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's right. He had a quadruple bypass. Well, and he actually was dragged out of his home and and beaten in the streets after after the win. Yeah, no, Cass did just have a heart surgery, but um, I mean, he had he had a, he had a very uh, he had a piece about like a very apocalyptic piece, as you might imagine, before the election. But uh, the first uh, the first post at uh, johncast.com uh, after the election of Brandon Johnson is by a guy named Pat Hickey, and uh, <laughs> the title of the piece is "The City of God, 2023." It begins, I am a very profane man, always have been. From my earliest audio apprehensions and infantile utterances, this sinful mortal delighted the curses, maledictions, and scatological outpourings from elders and betters, more than cooing and verbal pettings of their betters, e.g. Grandpa Hickey in 1958. I love when my, 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 uh, my betters are petting me. (laughs) <laughs> cooing and petting. Grandpa Hickey in 1958 said, get this shower of bastards out and away from sight. As opposed to Granny Hickey in 1958, give us a kiss, sweet lad, and here is a shilling for shoveling my porch. 
This is already one of the weirdest opening. <laughs> what is he talking about? Get, get this shower of it's, bastards it's away from me. It's incomprehensible. And then he what says the mean? rod had the rod had more laughs. Like the rod he was being beat with, so as to avoid being spoiled. But why would it be laughs? Like that doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Well, he says, I remain conflicted. Knowing that the path to Heaven's Gate requires much, much more than good intentions, this hidebound sinner does battle with limited armor. The result has been a gestemony with occasional rest and recuperation at the odd marriage feast of Canaan. Do you think this guy is uh, doing a little bit too many biblical references here? I think he's leaning a little too heavily on the good book for this. Um, we all bear the sin of Adam and the mark of Cain. Hell, that is what DNA is all about. <laughs> <laughs> that is what DNA is all about. It's the mark of Cain. That is what DNA is all about. Uh, the the human the... genome project. The human genome project was all about mapping out, uh, you know, everyone's genetic material so they could take out the the Satan gene, <laughs> the sin particles that congeal around the uh, our <laughs> nucleic the, the acid sin molecule. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he says, um, we pay some researcher oodles of guilt to find out who we are. We are all conflicted waifs. This conflicted waif became a pretty good high school English teacher. And one of my honors offerings at the ca a Catholic high school in Kanaki, Illinois, was the text of City of God by St. Augustine, Bishop of Hippo. Uh, he goes on to discuss what the City of God is for a long time. But uh, I'm going to skip all those paragraphs and just jump through where he says... The city of man is all over the information highway. The city of God is much more reclusive, much less expressive. Like 5th century hippo, my American Midwest is under siege from both coasts. Males, patriarchs, rigor, piety, Caucasians, patriots, taxpayers, business owners, veterans, scholars, and citizens are deplorable, toxic, racist, homophobic, xenophobic, judgmental, sexist, and heartless, according to the compelling narrative du jour. The woke vandals and Visigoths have sacked the halls of learning, the near-empty churches and public forum. If one defends the child in womb, Jane Fonda, The View, and The Squad want that one dead. In fact, <laughs> kill the entire GOP and never get called to task. Barbarism is carte blanche of the citizens of man. He's talking about the left, like, you know, like we're like Norwegian death metal bands, like burning ancient churches. <laughs> He's mostly talking about uh, television. <laughs> talking about TV shows he doesn't like, and he's what turning the, it into the Gulag Archipelago. Yeah, he was flipping through the channels and saw like five minutes of Blackish and lost his mind. He's check this out though. Uh, my son told a cousin of mine, a contemporary who was woke before it was woke, that I am writing for John Cass News. His response was "fuck John Cass" as he walked away. By extension, it was "fuck your dad." <laughs> it's nice to know that like all the things that we imagine to be true about all of these guys, they're just writing about it, that they're cousins, children's nieces, nephews. They all hate, they all hate them. The whole squad is saying, uh, this, fuck John Cass. This, this is a, this is a blog about uh, wanting to fuck your dad. <laughs> my, he goes, I, I'm just going to skip a paragraph here. It says here, uh, my community takes no coin for abortions. The city of God is populated by people like the late Mother Teresa and Cardinal Francis George. I know one bishop who lives in the city of God, and that is Bishop Thomas J. Pop Rocky of Springfield, Illinois. Pop Rocks? <laughs> Pop Rocky. Pop Rocks. Uh, I want some Pop Rocks. Recently, rock. Bishop Pop Rocky penned a powerful piece in First Things. And a power out bishop Pep Rocky penned a powerful piece? <laughs> Did he pick a peck of pickled peppers also? Love this prose. Love the... This penned, is powerful prose. A powerful... Penned a powerful piece in uh, uh, Catholic Cemetery Monthly. <laughs> <laughs> Catholic Cemetery Pumphly. <laughs> uh, recently, Bishop Pat Rocky penned a powerful piece in First Things that outed cardinals <laughs> who soft pedal abortion and gay lifestyles as heretics. Oh, that! Oh, he outed them for that. Oh, okay. I thought it was something else. Um, <laughs> heretics, uh, heretics they be. The Cardinal of Chicago suppresses the Latin Mass. He is no citizen of the City of God, it seems to me. The City of God is populated by saints who speak truth to power and suffer the consequences. I am a citizen of the state of Indiana and the city of Michigan City. I am a profane man who remembers dirty jokes during Father Walter's, Walter's homilies at St. Stan Stanislaus Kotzka Church. I am not going to agree that abortion is health care and will not scratch the horns of mammon to get me a handsome pension. <laughs> 
Hell, I would much rather write a piece for John Cass News. <laughs> hey, look, the people at Mammon and Moloch Monthly reached out and I said, nope, I'm sticking with my column at johncassnews.com. Sodom and Gomorrah Weekly. If you have time to read St. Augustine's The City of God, the barbarians are over the walls. So there's literally not even an action item here. This is just no. complaining. Just <laughs> whining. Just, the, I do the, the, appreciate the act- that. I like it when yeah. they get rid of the, the, the idea that there's any sort of program behind it, that it's anything other than I feel uncomfortable for a reason that I can't actually uh, pinpoint or, right. or, or confront because it would mean confronting load-bearing elements of my hot, intensely repressed personality. But uh, I have uh, I can wildly project it onto the media that I consume through gritted teeth, but can't stop looking at, and then just spew it out there for a bunch of uh, equally repressed suburban freaks to just nod and then send to each other on uh, Facebook and send to their kids who will not read it. I will brook no insult against Father Paparaki, sir. That's another Polak. The Polacks <laughs> are having a big week. They are. They you know, are. the guy that uh, Kelly lost to, he lost his seat to in 2020, also a Polak. Okay. The, the, the well, lady, female Polish uh, Supreme Court wing there. <laughs> They're going to finally pass uh, needed light bulb reform in Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> now we need a now we need a Polak on the, the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, I don't think we can handle that. That's too powerful. <laughs> <laughs> no Polish person has ever gone to Harvard. I don't think so. And if any, uh, by the way, if people get mad at what we said about Polish people on this episode, just look at who you are not allowed to criticize. Just look that's at who true. you are not allowed to joke about to know who rules you. That's, that's men and, and I are allowed to say it because we're from Wisconsin. It's true. Surrounded by those people. Yeah, yeah. Those are <laughs> those are my people. By the way, I, I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, uh, there is a, there is a, a like the two maps of the United States that people sort of juxtaposed with one another this week on Twitter. One of which was the um, the highest life expectancies in America and the most drinkingest parts of America, and it's all the upper Midwest. It's all like Wisconsin and True. Minnesota. And then the worst alcohol after a certain amount. There's a new study that says no amount of alcohol is good for you. The moderate amount of alcohol that people thought might be good for you, like heart health, of is, last is still nope, bad. It's all bad. They do not understand that if you push it beyond that, if you yeah. if you go past moderate and even past heavy to to like a, a, a hyper alcohol consumption, that you essentially pickle your internal organs and allow them to uh, go without decay. They will they will last essentially indefinitely. Yeah, it's like all of your internal organs are floating in formaldehyde. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're they'll, you're they'll be uh, preserved forever. You're uh, you're uh, essentially a zombie who loves the Packers. You've you've beat death. Yeah, and it no, also the, uh, uh, keeps you warm in those fucking cold winters. It's, uh, it works. The upper Midwest, uh, highest rates of drinking, highest life expectancy, highest rates of education in the country, and the opposite trending in every other direction. Lowest life expectancy, lowest rates of drinking, lowest level of education. Also, uh, it's the only part of the country with access to any significant amount of fresh water. Uh, It's going to be less uh, annihilated by climate change than other parts of the country. The the future of the North American continent is a Great Lakes-based imperium of some kind. I don't think there's any question about that. What shape of it, I don't know yet, but that's definitely going to be the... When the climate apocalypse... That's going to be the the dominant hegemonic continental power. When the climate apocalypse hits, I want to be in the Midwest. Yeah, everyone will, will be going to the Midwest, and then that will then that will be the the flashpoint. Who ends up and, getting to be? And there. unfortunately, we'll have to uh, build a wall around Wisconsin. And there will and, be uh, a wall. Michigan. There's going to have to be some sort of war with the southwestern states that are going to try to run pipe into great into the Great Lakes <laughs> to steal the water, which they're already trying to do. They're already planning. I will not drainage. let them lay pipe. Drainage. Yeah. No, you cannot let anyone from the Southwest lay pipe ever. No. I, I was like, you know, I, I, you know, like, look, I'm, I know I, I know I'm just trying to get down on the new cool thing, but I'd just like to say that New York is also a Great Lake state and I would like to be part of this. I mean, look, New York Upstate City's New York up, is. That's but, true. You know, Buffalo, Buffalo is, a, is an honorary capital. Midwestern yeah, yeah. city. But yeah. I don't know about uh, that about the big the city down area. by the Hudson, yeah. sir. That's the whole. That's <laughs> oh, another fun, world. Fun fact: 
Fun fact, Buffalo will also be a very good place to be during the yeah. climate apocalypse, not just because it uh, has access to, you know, uh, fresh water, but also because, you know, it's so far north that the effects of climate change have, you know, like uh, not been brought to bear as heavily there yet. So it's like, you know, it's like kind of more resistant to, uh, you know, global warming, basically. Did, didn't Buffalo get like 20 feet of snow this winter in one storm? I know it yeah. killed a bunch of that's, people. But New York, that's, New York that's City potable water. zero that's potable snow. Water. No snow this entire winter. None. Yeah. There that's was like normal. There were that's flurries, fine. But yeah, none of it stuck around. It's probably fine. I just hope that I live long enough to be able to bear witness to the great battle of grand rapids where the uh, armies of quebec meet the armies of chicago and southern wisconsin for hegemony yeah. over the great lakes uh, re- region i i predict some sort of political and military alliance between the uh, anglo canada and the upper midwest against the frogs <laughs> and uh and those those, those fucking uh those hillbilly frenchmen are going down oh yeah in 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 in, in, in 200 years People are going to uh, Wisconsinites are going to claim that they invented poutine and there's nothing that those fucking <laughs> frogs will be able to do about it. Midwest supremacy. Gonna, that's yep. what this episode you're is turn, about. Yeah, you're going to turn you're going to turn Montreal into like Jerusalem with the Israelis. Yep. <laughs> yep. And it's going to be a little a little a little corner east east east, east uh, Montreal. Montreal will be filled with uh, frogs. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Um, well, uh Cheers to the Great Lakes Imperium of the future, and cheers to my my two favorite people from Wisconsin. So I think we'll uh, we'll end the show there. Hearts around everyone. Um, until next time, uh, we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.